1: I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Day four, fall camp 2021 on the shores of Lake Washington is in the books. Uh, Probably the warmest day we've had out here so far. Temperature was probably, what, high 60s, low 70s?
2: It says 70. Yeah. No, no, the sun was out, and I
1: I was, we should have brought sunscreen.
2: Yeah, I was baking in
1: yeah. that sun. Yeah, no, it was, it was. I mean, it's definitely heated up, and by the end of the week, we're supposed to be getting into the 90s, so I think Thursday's an off day, and then Friday they're off-site, is that correct? I think so. Yeah, and it th- uh, looks like Friday's going to be the hottest day of the week, so, but nothing wrong with getting those hot days and getting in shape. You remember the old days uh, for the Seahawks with Jack Patero, over in Cheney? He, they didn't even allow water on the field back then.
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't know what I'm looking like, but you're... You're looking a bit medium rare, Scott. Yeah, you're, you're a
2: little pink.
1: How about me? You're looking fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> golfer's tan going yeah, on, there but you go. uh, uh, good. Th- first, first thing, um, you know, let's go ahead and address Jackson Kirkland. Didn't even notice he wasn't out there till uh, towards the end of the uh, end of the yeah, day. Yeah, you take him for granted. You know, guy
3: who's six seven, three ten, or whatever, and and then all of a sudden, because we thought when we were looking at some of the lineups, they had mixed some of the uh, the first and second units on the offensive line. So I wasn't shocked at all to see Troy Fautanu there. And then I saw Roger Rosengarten working with the twos. And I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. And then you see him you see him mix it in a little bit more. And then really didn't even notice until the very final team period when the ones came out and Fautanu was with the ones. And I was like, so then I start scanning the sideline. I'm like, I'm not seeing 51 out there. So uh, it sounds like Scott Huff, um, you know, didn't sound like it's anything serious. Um, just fine. So who knows? I I mean, it's going to, you know, they're going to, you know, Mm -hmm. people are going to wonder, is it, is it actually something physical? Could it be something COVID related? You just don't know.
1: Well, Scott Huff talked about his big green egg being able to cremate anything. And I'm going with Jackson's missing. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. I know a lot of people, you know, get wound up. I shouldn't say wound up. Get caught up, in uh, who's running with the first team and the second team? But you know, in so many of these positions out there right now, Scott, they're mixing and matching. I mean, it's just um, doesn't mean a whole lot, and they're running different packages. And we asked Scott Huff about playing def- different guys on the offensive line, and they've got to be able to mix and match those guys a little bit.
2: Yeah, and he he said yeah. that you know there wouldn't be necessarily a sixth guy that, you know, the first guy off the bench. He said it depends on the position. Does, do we feel comfortable with him playing that position and all that different stuff? So while Troy Fautanu may be the next best offensive lineman on the roster, and I'm not saying he is or isn't, I don't know, but let's just say for the sake of the argument that he is, he wouldn't necessarily come in if it was Henry Bainavalu who goes down. It might be Bulow, or it might be Kalepo, or it might be Mural, or any of those guys. So, and the other thing to people, because I didn't get super in depth on who was running with the ones and who was running with the twos, because today on the defensive side of the ball, the guys are running two plays and then off and then and.
3: Well, when you talk, we talked about that hockey yeah. shift stuff that Jeff Choate did on the defensive line. You know, we saw that a lot with the outside linebackers today. So just not jumping ahead, but we saw a lot of mixing and matching on both sides of the ball today.
1: Scott, getting back to the you know rotation on the offensive line, of, um, you know, if Luke Wattenberg goes down, who's next man up at center?
3: Corey Luciano. Luciano. Yep.
1: Who's next man up at left guard?
3: Coleppo. Uh, Coleppo. Well,
1: Le- yeah. Next guy up at left tackle?
3: Uh, Troy. Faltano,
1: as he was today. Right guard?
2: Well, it's Bulo's, the Two one is running Bulo. with the twos.
1: And right, right tackle. Matteo
3: Matteo Mele. Matteo Mele. Yep.
1: You think Luciano over uh, Mele at center?
3: Yes. Mele is not playing center anymore. Yeah, Luciano. Luciano. He has in the past. He has, but he and hasn't there, in, in a year and a and half. And there's no and there's no doubt that if they needed to in a pinch, they could probably get him to do some snaps. But I would think that'd have to be an emergency situation because you've got you've you've got obviously Luke Watberg behind him. <coughs> Luciano's been getting the twos. The threes has been Garen Hatchet, but that was because Will Pliska was out because he was hurt in spring. But we saw Will Pliska actually take some turns today it, for the first time that I've actually seen him a lot in center. So it's good to see that Will Pliska is back as well. I don't know if, if Will Pliska would be your number three center or if Garen Hatchett would be in a pitch. I, I, I'm not sure exactly. At this I don't point. think they'd
1: throw Garen out there. I think they'd throw one of the other offensive linemen over there. They'd use Mateo. Possibly Mele. they could put, they could put Mateo
3: melee if if Luciano went down. That wouldn't surprise me. But um, right now, Luciano's by far the number two guy in terms of just reps that they're getting. Well, I haven't
1: really noticed. Has Luciano been doing the tight end fullback thing? No, no, at all.
3: Not at no, all. No, 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 straight, straight, up. straight up center. So center. no
1: wonder I haven't noticed it. No.
3: Well, he's he went from 47 to 74. Yeah. So that's a pretty big number change.
1: Yeah. Uh offense today looked quite a bit better.
3: Oh, night and day. Night and day. I was and that's the thing. As much as I was really down on what the receivers had done yesterday and how the, the offensive line or offensive line was fine, running backs were fine, but as much as the quarterbacks had struggled a little bit yesterday, they came out firing in that final team period. I thought Dylan Morris was as sharp as he's been all camp. Um even maybe in the spring. He took the, they started at the 30, basically the way they're running these team periods at the end, guys. They're starting at the, the 35 yard line uh, on their side. And so basically a touchdown drive would be 65 yards and, um, or 75 yards, excuse me. No, 65, 65. 65 yards, excuse me. I can do math. And then, um, and so they just went right down the field. Um, There was one pass play to the outside uh, where Jalen McMillan just froze Trent McDuffie and went around him like he was standing still. And I'm like, that's, that might be one of the best plays I've seen McMillan make in a long time, and that was part of a nice offense where they mixed things up. They found uh, he found Trent, um, uh, Kate Auten in the end zone, five yard touchdown, wide open. Um, they just really mixed and matched. Uh, it was Richard, Richard Newton and Cameron Davis were the running backs in that particular series, and they just it was a nice balance. I mean John Donovan called a nice series got everybody kind of involved, and uh, I thought it was really, really good.
1: How much of this offensive struggle that we've seen before today, you know, is you put on the defense?
2: I, I think some of it's on the defense. I think a lot of it's on the defense. But, you know, Chris and I were talking about it today when we were up in the stands watching, and Chris made a great point. The These receivers are not getting the separation, so they're having to make these spectacular catches instead of just making routine catches because they're not getting the separation you're looking for. And I don't care whether uh, DB knows what you're doing or not. There is still the possibility to get separation if you run a precise route, if you're explosive out of your cut and everything like that. And right now I'm not seeing the separation from these receivers. I hope that we eventually do, but right now we're not seeing it.
1: Well, we see that against other teams. Is this a function of the receivers not being able to get the separation or the DBs are just that? good? I don't know.
3: I don't know. I don't think you can say one way or the other. Well, it was the, the final team period was when you finally started to see like a Jalen McMillan get a little bit of separation against Trent McDuffie and make him pay for it. We saw, you know, we saw Patrick O'Brien scramble a little bit in, in his series and he was able to find a Giles Jackson right in the middle. I mean he, I don't think there was anyone 10, 10 yards mm-hmm. you know from him. And he was able to turn that into like a 26, 27 yard gain. These were situations where they were starting to find guys that had found separation. Early in this particular practice, there were some guys making phenomenal catches. I mean, I remember, so Sam Heward made a, a great pass in the corner to, to Sawyer Racanelli with Cameron Fabricolana and all over him, and it was like a one-handed catch. I remember uh, Giles Jackson also made a, a very similar catch on a similar route, and Camden Sermon was the quarterback. But you're, but you are basically seeing guys make one-handed spectacular catches to be able to move the chains, and you know you need those guys to make plays. And and don't get me wrong, you have to have those guys be able to make plays in order to move the ball down the field. But you cannot rely consistently on guys having to come up with one-handed catches in order to run your offense. Romo
1: Dunzi and Jalen McMillan are obviously your one and two. Uh, who's no, Terrell Bynum. Bynum I mean, Terrell one. Bynum. So, basically, when Terrell they were... I Terrell Bynum and oh, and McMillan are your top yes. three. Who's number four?
3: Um, well, Jalen Polk and, and Taj Davis have been running with the yeah. twos pretty much exclusively.
2: Yeah, and I so think... So, it's either it can, one of those guys. I think it really... Because you could say Sawyer Racinelli is right up there, but... I was going to ask,
1: how big of a move has he made?
2: He's not making a move on the outside, though. That's the difference. Because most of these guys are playing outside. He's playing almost strictly out of the slot and that's where you're seeing him do most of
3: his work. And it's also so. difficult to know where a guy like Giles Jackson is going to fit in this offense yeah. because we know what he can offer in the run game because everyone knows about his ability with the ball as a returner. So it's not really rocket science if you think he could do something like in their fly motion, their sweep games, that kind of stuff. That, that seems pretty obvious. But he has literally taken snaps, guys, at like all three, the X, the Y, the Z, everywhere. He's played everywhere and gotten reps everywhere. So – I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they utilize a guy like that because he's he's taking reps at all of those spots. Yeah,
2: I I would say, my guess is the the way I look at it right now is Jackson is a guy you can sprinkle in, but if I had to say who's my fourth, it, it'd be Jalen Polk. I, yeah. I just think he's big. I think he offers exactly what Junior Adams wants to do at wide receiver, and I think that he's got the experience. He kind of understands how to run a route and how to body
1: up a DB. Well, I'm interested in seeing you know. Charles Jackson has been here a week. He wasn't here for spring ball. Right. And he's an experienced guy, so mm-hmm. I'm more interested to see what he looks like in week three than week four. Oh, well, well there's willing. no
3: doubt. There's no doubt they're throwing him into the fire, and they're seeing how he reacts, trying to get as much tape on him as possible, for sure. And you we, know, because here's the thing, Kim. We found this out with Jeremiah Martin um, during spring ball. You know, Jeremiah Martin was a guy that was, you know, he spent three years at Texas A&M, seem to kind of play at Texas A&M a certain way. Well, you see him in spring ball, you see how they're trying to utilize him, and then you talk to Akaka Malloy, and Akaka Maloy is saying, yeah, he played pretty much on the line of scrimmage at Texas A&M, but we were really intrigued with what he could do in space, which is why we like him at our outside linebacker position, because he can he can rush the quarterback, but he can also sit back a little bit because he's got some great instincts, and he can do those different things. Now, at Michigan... Giles Jackson may have been asked to do certain things that are Washington. They're like, you know, we watched the tape, and we're like, why wasn't he used in this way? Or because we are employing a certain scheme, we really think he can be utilized in a certain way to maximize his talents. And we haven't seen
1: him. Well, they just haven't done
3: kick returns very
1: much. We haven't seen no. very much. they haven't done it at all. Well, they did
3: a couple yesterday, which was odd. They did a couple, but he wasn't back there. I think it was... Uh, I think Sam Adams may have been down there. I think Caleb Barry may have been down there. But I don't know if they were just placeholder guys or if they were – Or if Just they're to actually, catch the ball.
2: Yeah,
1: I don't know if they were there or just actually there to, like, really return a kick. So we're going to have people saying they're not working on kick returns. Do you know how important special teams are? Yeah, this? they this aren't is, a, at all. It's just Well, no, they did who, some who, punt returns. Whose who's head
2: is splitting right now? Yeah, well, but Dick Barrett.
1: Dick Barrett. Yeah, no, it's, they, they won't ignore it. There will be time. I mean, there's they, – They do a special team session every day. Scott I mean right now a long one too. Right now there is still I mean when we're out here at practice there's so much downtime for us still because it's installs and you know teaching the fundamentals there's still a lot of teaching Although I noticed
3: all I noticed today though they didn't they didn't do a lot of back to back which tells me that they're starting to get from that point where they're done <laughs> with the beginning parts of their fall camp and now they're starting to move into more of the moments where they're really starting to fine tune the details. I think
1: some people think that there, there's just scrimmages and contact going on all the time. That's just not what's going no. on at practice. It isn't. Nope. No. And
3: especially not not with when you're not wearing full pads.
1: Yeah. Uh, Quarterbacks today, uh, uh, very unofficial. I've got uh, Dylan Morris, 5 of 10, and he was uh, 4 of 4 on that last drive. Yeah, on that first drive of the end period, he was 4 of 4 for 35. Like I said, looked very sharp. I've got him finishing up 5 for 10. I've got uh, Patrick O'Brien finishing up a 7 of 13. And um, Sam Heward was 8 of 11, a uh, very efficient uh, 8 of 11. And he tends to be the one who throws the ball downfield more. And I'm not, you know, I'm, Dominic Hampton had the interception. I'm not sure if he intercepted it or he not. He did. Re- re- um, but he was down for a while after catching that ball, too. Yeah, it
3: looked to me like you got the wind knocked out of him.
1: And that ball that was intercepted, it was kind of a fade right, fade route, you know, 50-50 ball down the side. Well, and he
3: and, and Sam threw it inside when it should have been outside. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, so still very efficient 8 of 11. But uh, quarterback's looking good. It's just... A little bit difficult getting it any more than 10 yards down the field. At well,
3: there's a lot of give and take today. And, and, to, and to credit the offense again, to credit the quarterbacks, there was just that one interception and it was during the final period. You really hadn't – you didn't see any interceptions in the 7-on-7s. Seven you didn't see any interceptions in the earlier 11-on-11 11 11 periods. So th- that was good. The, the turnover issues are, are not there. At least they weren't there today. Um, so there was a lot more give and take. But there was a, still only the one touchdown during the final team period now – you could
2: And there was a field you goal. You could pick
3: Nitz. There was a field goal, but you could pick Nitz and say, well, he sounded the siren, Jimmy Lake did, sounded the siren on a big, long Richard Newton touchdown run. That was a really good run, mm-hmm. but the chances of him actually had springing it to the outside – Fifty-fifty. Yeah,
2: I mean, he went right up the middle. Yeah, and, and
3: Ullifoscio, I think, overran it yeah. a touch. But it, it would have
2: been at the very least, if you were gonna say he was gonna get tackled, it wasn't gonna be until after 35, 40 yards yeah. that he was tackled. I mean, it was a big run. So
3: really there was two touchdowns, if you want to give him credit for the offense yeah. and one interception. So in that score, I thought the offense did a much better job of, of holding on to the ball, moving it a little bit more. Like I said, O'Brien, like Scott said, got the field goal on his one try uh, in that final team period. But the problem is they still got the ball in the red zone, and then immediately there was like two tackles for loss back-to-back. And you just cannot afford well, we to, to make him. those mistakes.
2: We saw – was it Caleb Berry or who was the running back that he was throwing to where he underthrew it? Was it Berry Oh, or? it was
3: – no, it was uh, – Sunday? Uh No, I, I want to say it was actually um, – David. It was uh, no, Sam okay. Adams. Sam Adams, okay.
2: Yeah. So Saddam, Sam Adams comes out of the backfield, gets behind
3: would you say yeah, he, was he, behind? he should have been able to he should have if he but had
2: anticipated the, the throw. Where you and I were standing though, because we were up in the upper part, we were where our view was kind of blocked to see where the safety was coming from. Yeah. So he might have not thrown it long enough because if he had just thrown it long, I, it looked like Sam Adams could've run under it, but instead he threw it short. And that could have been because of the safety, anyway. Yeah. Um. That one was one that was kind of frustrating because you're like, man, that should have been a touchdown,
3: right? Yeah. Now. And they had just gotten a first down. They were at the 13 yard line, and then Voy Tanufi breaks through, tackle for loss on um, on JV on Sunday, yeah. and then right after that, Braylon Trice gets O'Brien basically a tackle for loss, but it's you know it's a sack. Um, you know when O'Brien, it's basically a coverage sack. Because he can't find anywhere to <coughs> throw the ball away, and Trice gets him. So um, you just, yeah, you just, you cannot stop. You cannot get stuck in the red zone. You've got to be a little bit more productive there.
1: Tight ends a little bit more involved today. Jack Westover with a really nice catch. Uh, Kate Otten with a really nice catch. It uh, seems to also when Sam is in there, um, he really seems to be looking for Sawyer. Racanelli, um When Jabez is in there, he seems to really be looking for Jabez as mm-hmm. well. Yep. So
3: I just think again, I saw more of the same from yesterday in terms of the tight ends. I mean, Kate Otten and Jack Westover are the clear cream of the crop. They are the ones that are going to you know, as that tight ends room room goes, it's it's how they go. Well, um, because right now Mark Redmond is kind of stuck in the twos. Quentin Moore is not really doing anything at all right now. Yeah. Uh, he's just doing conditioning. Uh, and then after that, Devin you know, Culp. Devin Culp is a couple days behind, so he's not going to get thrown into these uh, end-team periods. It's still going to be a couple days for him, and then he's going to be a couple days behind when they go into full pads. So, you know, hopefully he ramps up and, and gets involved a little bit more sooner around than later. But uh, right now, Westover and, and
1: Otten are doing a really good job. Over on the defensive side of the ball, like you said, mentioned earlier, they're just rotating so many guys in.
2: Yeah, it's really tough. I'm, i am I... Bookie, uh, everybody wants to know how Bookie's doing, and he had a great play on Dylan Morris today, knocking away a pass intended for uh, Jalen Millen, who had gotten wide open, and uh, Bookie just gets his hand on it and tips it away. Um, you know, the the defensive backs, I was a little surprised. You said that Jacoby Covington, I wasn't here yesterday, huh. so Jacoby Covington was playing corner.
3: And so was Mikellistein. And so
2: was Mikellistein, and so... You just seeing the way they're kind of rotating and making sure they've got enough guys to cover different spots. Yeah, because I, I didn't see Elijah Jackson or James Smith very much today at all. Yeah, Elijah
3: Jackson was definitely out there. James Smith didn't really notice as much. Cameron but what Williams I Williams wasn't there. Cam, yet, Cameron, yeah. Cameron Williams was not there. Um, what I would what I would say is when we are talking about the them rotating those groupings. The outside linebacker groupings are the ones that I notice immediately. And when the first kind of team period was out today, it wasn't like the full end team period, but the first one they did, the first pairing was Cooper McDonald and Braylon Trice, followed by Ryan Bowman and Savelle Smalls, and then you had Jordan Lolohea and Jeremiah Martin. The one thing I did notice about all three of those is it kind of didn't really matter where they rotated, if it was ones, twos, or threes, but those particular pairings stayed together. So I think I don't know if this is a Kaika Malloy really sticking to that hockey shift type deal where he wants to see how very specific guys are working together, and maybe he does see a grouping like Cooper McDonald and Braylon Trice be in that group. And then for those that, that wondered about Savelle Smalls, to me this is great news if you're a Savelle Smalls fan because he's getting paired with Ryan Bowman, and we know Ryan Bowman's going to be with the ones. So right now, does that assume that Savell Smalls is the number one? Outside linebacker with Ryan Bowman? I don't know. But I did think it was interesting that all those pairings, they didn't mix and match as much they just mixed and matched
1: which teams they were playing against yeah, jeremiah but those martin,
3: pairings stayed pretty constant jeremiah martin was with uh,
1: lolohea Lolo yeah yep. yeah and to me it's a lot in so many of these especially on the defensive side of the ball i don't think you have ones and twos I, in a lot of those positions i think you have a 1a and a 1b but here's the other thing you think
3: about so let's look at jeremiah lolohea or uh, Martin. Uh, so jeremiah martin with jordan lolohea i mean those are arguably the two biggest guys they have with with Zion being out right now. Perhaps Akaika's got this idea in mind, like, you know, maybe we're gonna put those guys together into our jumbo sets or into our bigger, more anticipate you know, anticipatory uh, rundowns where they're playing those three defensive linemen as well. So there might be some some thought to that as well where they just maybe just go much bigger on the outside linebackers on some of those, whereas some of those where teams might try to <laughs> You know, be a little bit more pass happy or might try to confuse and break tendencies. You might have guys that are obviously bigger guys, but are probably guys that they would wanna maybe attack the quarterback a little bit more. No skirmish
1: from Pejopa today.
2: Nope. <laughs> no, nope, not at all.
1: He seems to be in the middle of quite a bit, but uh who's kinda of No, the only much.
2: skirmish was from uh uh, JV on Sunday and Jacoby Covington when they squared up on each other. Yeah, or, I
3: think it's going to be interesting, really that was interesting. a big hit. Once they get into full pads, which I think it should be as early as tomorrow, um, that's when it's going to be
1: really interesting to watch. I saw the end of it. After. I didn't see the beginning. What happened on that?
2: Well, Sunday just comes out to the left, sweeps around the corner. Covington's doing his job coming up to support the run. They square up on each other, slam into each other, then go out of bounds. And... Covington gave him a little extra shove, and Javion was having none of that.
1: So. Who, you put that hit on uh, Covington or Sunday? Who initiated that Oh, No, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday he for looked sure. for it.
2: Yeah. He <laughs> no, didn't even sure. try to avoid him.
3: But I also would say on that same play, because everything was flowing to the left, yeah. Roger Rosengarten was the left tackle on that play, and I'm pretty sure he wiped someone out. Yeah, he
2: came his side. I don't know yeah. if it was
3: Martin or if it was somebody, but he, he was getting a lot of attaboys on the sideline from there, and he looked pretty fired up. So, I think he took care of, he rolled someone on that play.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if you caught that with when Scott Huff. He mentioned about – he didn't call him Roger Rosengarten. He didn't call him Rosengarten. He said, "Roger's ro- Roger is wired right. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. I think they, I think he's going to be a really good player down the road. I, oh,
2: for sure. He definitely has the potential. There's a reason so many teams are after him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else am I missing, guys?
3: Um,
2: I don't know. Not really I, I would
1: say, mm-hmm. you know,
3: as far as minutia, I would say I think – not that there really should be any surprise with this because Peyton Henry has been the stalwart place kicker. But, I, you know, he's making kicks now, and um, Tim Horn's been a little bit more sporadic on that. So well, I, hooking I, a lot of things. Yeah, a lot of wide lefts on those. So um, I think Peyton Henry's pretty much, if there was any question, I think what, he solidified himself as the kicker. What about the note that you had on Tristan Brown? Oh, yeah, I did put this on on Twitter. So we were, because they were doing some um, just some special teams type stuff and some um, just some install Husky type stuff, field. yeah, we flipped over to the other side real quick, and the kickers and the punters were in Husky Stadium kicking, and they were just about to go to a new period, so the punters and kickers were going back to the east field. So Tristan Brown just happened to be in the end zone on our side, and he just happened to just boom one, and he kicks it, and I don't think he even noticed. He like kicked it, and it was just going like crazy. And then he just flipped around and turned to go up the uh, to the east field. It was and about I'm watching seventy it. yards in the air. Yeah, I'm watching it, and it's a good sixty, sixty five, seventy yards on the on the fly. And then it hits, and it just hits and goes, 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 goes. So he kicked it from inside his end zone mm-hmm. all the way to the ten yard line on the west on the west end. So it was minimum ninety yards,
1: and it was just like okay, mm-hmm. sure. Anything going on in recruiting you need to know about Scott?
2: Um, I've got three recruiting updates that I'm kind of sitting on, not because it's anything pressing. Um, those will go out on Thursday because of the just we've had so much content that people and people
3: kind of put recruiting nothing on pressing. For, and there's no we don't we we're not me, no media involvement for practice on yeah, Thursday or on Friday. Thursday or
2: Friday, so you won't see anything then. But um, as far as Ben Roberts, I mean. All I can tell you is what I'm hearing is that he's told U-Dub there's nothing to worry about and he's fine going – he's going to go to U-Dub. But you know what? When when a guy isn't talking to any media or anything like that that is committed to a school that always returns phone calls or texts from me and isn't doing it anymore, I don't know what to tell you other than that. I it's, uh, I, I I'm not saying you need to freak out. I'm just saying –
1: since when do we need to tell people to freak out?
2: I know, but I'm not I what I'm saying is I'm not in freak out mode right now. You know, if I'd be if I was just a, a fan and and trying to understand what's going on, I wouldn't be in freak out mode right now. But I'd definitely be like, This is something we're gonna have to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, and just you know, it's dead period, no in person contacts and a lot of the schools are just starting their um Uh, you know their camps so it's probably a real slow period for the next few weeks i'm recruiting don't expect much
2: yeah i mean they're making contact with kids and talking to them
3: but it's nothing no major moves i was gonna say by the way i'm just i'm looking at the the twitter page for ben roberts right now it says uh committed to the university of washington Uh so i don't know that's where i that's where i get my updates on ben yeah
2: so i mean just you know it's you guys are gonna be the people who are gonna be freaked out are gonna be freaked out regardless of what I say. Savell
1: so. Small's update.
2: Oh, he was here. Okay, yeah, good. Just no, yeah, uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, was I mean, say, didn't we the just one, talk about the him one a bunch? thing? The one thing I will say is for people wondering about all the plays he's making, he's not making any splash plays. I, I haven't seen him make anything where I was like, "Wow, that was a big play." He's doing his assi- He's doing his assignment. He's he's on the on the stuff and. He's making and he's running around and showing his athleticism and everything.
3: But uh, well, we can know. also remember the time in spring ball where I don't remember who the quarterback was, but was it was it Dylan Morris where he kind of almost impaled him on a rush when yeah. they, when, during a live scrimmage. So you know, I, I don't know if it was probably impressed upon him that even even if he does get free to uh, you know tread lightly in mm-hmm. the backfield for at least for now. Because they haven't gone live live yet. Because they can't
1: not until they go into full pads. You got one minute before you exit stage left. Oh, what, and, and wrap it up.
2: Oh, um, I I think it it was a very productive day on both sides of the ball. I was I even said to Chris before before it started that I hope to see a more competitive practice today than what it sounded like Sundays was, and it. It sounded like there was a give and take today from both the offense and the defense. Still want to see the wide receivers improve, but I did see a step in the right direction today.
3: Quickly, Fetters? Yeah, no, just, uh, you know, I thought obviously uh, Troy Fount- uh, Fautanu did a phenomenal job. There was no drop-off from Jackson Kirkland, at least from what I saw. That for The first-team offense did a great job on that final-team period. But like Scott said, you know, the, the separation for the receivers just has to keep coming. I mean, that is going to be what tells the tale for that particular group. And, um, you know, so that's, that's what we're looking at. So,
1: And uh, just a reminder for those. Um, hang on one second here. Um, just It's starting to get a little bit like dog days right now or groundhog days, you know, because the practices are all starting to run into each other before we get into the contact and full pads, and then things will definitely amp up in tomorrow pads. Or, I think
3: so, but I I'm not sure exactly how how it goes at this point. Yeah, I, I there might expect, be one more might be one more day. Yeah, if 60's if 60's if they don't go full pads tomorrow, they will go full pads Wednesday, and
2: then they have Thursday off, and then Friday is probably a full
3: pads yeah. scrimmage, and then I would Wednesday. expect that they just go back into shells and shorts on Saturday.
1: Yeah, just a reminder for those of you who currently are not subscribers, today's the last day, two months for a dollar. We'll get you first uh, through the first month of football season and uh, you know the rest of fall camp, two months for a dollar. If you're a subscriber and uh, your friends are thinking about it, tell them now's a good time. That promotion ends Monday night at, what, 11 o'clock? It, it ends in about eight hours or so. Okay. Yeah. Just a reminder. Seven, eight so, hours. So that'll expire then. And if you're looking for those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, shoot us a note at huskystadium at gmail.com. Again, big props to Chris Fetters and Scott Eckland. Nobody covers camp like they are right now. You're just not going to get anywhere near the amount of coverage at any other news source as in depth. So uh, we try to keep you guys up to date. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters, Scott Eckland. Go, dogs. <laughs>